uh, open your Bibles to Luke 24. Um, so we were supposed to have um, baptisms today. We had a hot tub right here, and in the middle of that, oh praise the amazing song, we were going to dunk some people, and we came in this morning to get stuff set up, and the water in the tub was not in the tub anymore. So it's been freshly mopped today. Um, so instead of our baptism happening about 10 minutes ago, yeah, you can, yeah, it's wet up here. Um, it's going to happen immediately after service. So um, we're going to sing um, Christ the Lord is Risen Today. Alleluia. Um, and then we're going to go directly across the lot here and we're going to baptize uh, Megan. Megan, wave everybody. Is that Megan? There. There's a twin. <laughs> and and, and uh, Leslie, uh, both made professions of faith in, in Jesus. And um, so we're going to baptize them today. And that's going to be wonderful. But first, I'm going to share the gospel with you, okay? So Luke chapter 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, which you do for a dead person. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. Remember how he told you? Do you guys not listen? They de- <laughs> you didn't read the email, did you? We would, we would fall in perfectly with these disciples. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven And to all the rest, this is God's word. And it's a very important word um, for everyone here. Do you know why? (laughs) You are going to die. Happy Easter! (laughs) And I don't mean die uh, inwardly, though that's a thing that does happen to people. I don't mean uh, metaphorically or spiritually or allegorically. I mean literally and physically, every person in here is going to die. Okay? Your body is going to decay. And whether that's to disease or blunt trauma or age, you will stop breathing. Your heart will stop pumping. Your brain will stop firing and you will die regardless of how much CrossFit you do or how much kale you eat. You will die. That's coming for every person. And the reason that this word from the Lord is so absolutely important is because it announces the solution to that death problem that all of us have. And you know what the solution to our death problem is? It's resurrection from the grave. Right? If your problem is you're dead, what's the answer to this problem? You've got to come out of the grave. You gotta not be dead anymore. And so this resurrection that you are in need of is not an inward resurrection, not a, a allegorical or spiritual or metaphorical resurrection. It's not a, even a, a disembodied state and the eternal existence of the soul and the eternal sing along in the sky. That's not what you need. You need an actual, literal, 
physical resurrection of your body from the dirt. That's what you have to have. The answer to our problem is for our bodies to rise up out of the dirt and live on the earth in the kingdom of God forever and ever. Amen. That's the good news of the gospel. That's what I want to remind us of this morning or maybe introduce to us for the first time. Those who repent of their sins, those who believe in the risen Lord Jesus Christ will, like him, live forever in a body on the earth. And that's awesome. That's wonderful. That's, that's the good news. But let's go back to the bad to figure out how do we get this death problem, okay? Why are we dying is the question. And Genesis 3 is our answer. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field that, that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, so we've got Adam and Eve in the beginning at creation, and said, did God actually say that you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of all the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, don't eat that one, okay? Don't eat that one. Eat that one, and you, and you touch it, you will die. And she took of its fruit, and she ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who stood there like a chump, and he ate as well. That's in the Josh version. That's not in your ESV. So the Lord, in, in, in response to the rebellion of the man and the woman, cursed, and the serpent, cursed the serpent. Verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. And, and to Adam he said, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Then the Lord God said, Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever, which is what Adam was supposed to do, he drove the man out of the garden east of Eden, and he placed an angel with a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the tree of life. So in the beginning, when God made everything, he called it what? Good. This is good. I like this thing that I have made, and I like these people I've made as well. In the beginning, God made it good, and God made man and woman blessed. Genesis one twenty seven. God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created him, and verse 28 says, God blessed them, meaning man was made, you were made to live forever. Okay? And I know like, like we're the, the ether we swim in teaches us that the normal way of things is to die, right? Things live and things die and you go on. That's not how it's supposed to be, guys. That is far from what normal was meant to be. We were made in the beginning to live forever, but we rebelled against God and we were cursed to die, right? To the dust you shall return and we were denied access to the tree of life. So Genesis 3, why do we die? This is it. Adam, Eve, sin, rebellion, this is why we died. It's why Adam died, it's why Eve died, it's why Cain and Abel died, it's why Seth died, it's why Enoch died, it's why Noah died, it's why your grandpa died, it's why your dad died, and it's why you will die. Genesis 3, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, in Adam, all who come from Adam, in Adam, all die. And so in inheriting and participating in, okay, because we're not... We would have done the same thing that Adam had done. In inheriting and in participating in Adam's sin, all of us are cursed to the dust. Happy Easter. But that's not how the Bible ends, right? It doesn't stop at Genesis 3. It doesn't stop with a curse. It doesn't stop with creation's lot being one of perpetual death that, that naturalism and, and evolution teach, that we're just going to die and die and die, and that's the cycle. No, rather than allowing... <clears throat> 
the creation and the creatures that the Lord God called good to be cursed forever, rather than that being it, the Lord starts making promises based on that good beginning when Adam and Eve were not cursed, but they were, you guys say hashtag, (laughs) blessed. The opposite of the curse, then, is the blessing. So if the curse is death, the blessing is what? Resurrection, right? You know, which is a little better, I think, than, than a financial windfall or a good parking space at Costco or a new car. Those are all blessings. This is it. This is the blessing. According to the scriptures, if the curse is death, the blessing, the blessed, means resurrection. The blessing is eternal life in a re-edened earth. So in the story, God doesn't wash his hands of his rebellious creation. He starts making promises to his rebellious creation. And the Lord's mechanism for these promises to come to pass, the Lord's mechanism for this curse to be reversed and for blessing to come upon the earth uh, uh, for those who are afflicted by sin and those who are afflicted by death is a seed. So he tells the serpent, I will put enmity, I will put division between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, her seed. And your seed, and he shall in ivy crush your head. This seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent, and you will bruise his heel. So Adam and Eve are told, hey, you're cursed. You want to be blessed? It's got to come through a seed. So what do Adam and Eve do? Starving kids, right? Like, oh, a seed's going to crush the serpent. Let's have a kid. And they have children. And their children have children, and on and on and on and on. And this seed reaches, most famously, Genesis chapter 12, the family of Abraham, where the Lord calls Abraham. And listen to what he says to Abraham. Genesis 12, 1 through 3, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, Abraham, through your family, through your seed, through your line, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Which means what? (laughs) Resurrected. Okay, come up out of the grave. The blessing is that all the families of the earth will get into the university they applied for. (laughs) All the families of the earth will get front row tickets to Thunder Games. Okay? And the one time in your life that you get a front row ticket to the Thunder Game, they cancel it for coronavirus. (laughs) I don't think that's the blessing, maybe. I think maybe it's better than that. Through the seed of the woman, through Abraham's family, all the families of the earth will be set free from the curse of death. And they will be blessed at the day of the Lord when they walk out of their graves. Abraham, it's going to happen through your family, through your line, through your seed. That is the blessing in opposition to the curse. One day when we are blessed, we won't die anymore, but we'll live forever. So what we're jumping into next week, if you are here, the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, When they're resurrected. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. When they're resurrected, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And on and on. Like the resurrection is the blessing of God in response to the curse of death. The blessing and the glory of our bodies being raised from the dead wasn't a new idea with Jesus. Okay? So if you're you know, reading your Hebrew scriptures and then this event happens and Jesus walks out of the grave, you're like, okay, 
We've seen this coming. I didn't know it was going to be with him, but we've seen this thing coming. All through the scriptures, starting in Genesis, God has given this promise of blessing, this promise of resurrection. This has been the hope of God's people since Genesis 3. Listen to uh, David in the Psalms. Amanda read this earlier. I've set the Lord before me. He's at my right hand. I won't be shaken. Therefore, my heart's glad. My tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. A thousand years before Jesus walks in Galilee, before he he teaches and lives and shows us in, in the most perfect form what God is like, and before he dies and resurrects and ascends and sends the Spirit, a thousand years before any of that happened, David looked in hope to the resurrection of the dead. It's not a new thing with Jesus. It's the hope of God's people. David again, Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Blessed is the one whose sin is covered. So if your transgression is forgiven, if your sin is covered at the day of the Lord, you walk out of the grave, guys. That's the point of the blessing. If the Lord, verse 2, blessed is the man against the, whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. So if the Lord doesn't count iniquity against you, and you don't live with a lying spirit in this age, at the day of the Lord, you will be blessed, which means you will walk out of that grave. And then the prophet Isaiah, guys, I'm just going through the scriptures. This is what the people of God believe. Isaiah 25, on this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers the nations. What's the shroud over all people? What's the sheet over all people? Death. We die. You're going to die, man. That's going to happen. But what's the blessing? In opposition to the shroud and sheet that covers every person ever born, verse 8, in response to this, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away tears from all the faces. He will remove the disgrace of his people from all the earth. Isaiah 26, your dead will live. Their bodies will rise. You who dwell in the dust, wake up. Shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew of the morning. The earth will give birth to the dead in response to the curse of death. Do you see why this is super important if you're a human being and you're going to die? Eve believed this. David believed this. Isaiah believed this. And listen to the risen Lord when he comes again. Revelation 22. Behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have right to the tree of life and may go into the gates into the city. So if your robe is washed... Meaning if you walk before the Lord with, it, with a contrite heart in this age, when he comes, you will be blessed with what? The tree of life, guys. Which if Adam could have eaten from, would have lived forever. He lost this thing in the garden. In the beginning, man was cursed. And the tree of life, allowing him to live forever, was removed from his grass. He drove out the man, placed an angel in front of it that turned every way to guard him from the tree of life. But in the end, at the day of the Lord, those blessed in the resurrection, you have a right to eat of its fruit again. And you will never, ever, 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 ever die. I think that's awesome. You might not. So back to Luke 24 that we read at the start. Like, what's, what's going on here? If the resurrection of the dead happens at the end of the age, why was Jesus raised in the middle of it? 
What's God got going on here? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15. But Christ has indeed raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Not allegorically, not metaphorically, not spiritually, made alive physically, literally, bodily, just like our Lord. But each to his own turn. Okay? Christ first, then at his, when he comes, those who belong to him. So the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, that, that real day uh, at Joseph's tomb that we sang about in history, the resurrection of Jesus, the stone being rolled away, the angels appearing in, in dazzling apparel at the tomb, all of this happens not as an anomaly to God's plan, but as a confirmation of the Lord's promise of blessing and as an anchor for our hope in this age. Because again, you die, and you die, and people you know die, and you hate it, and it's wrong, and it's a curse, and you need hope. And our hope is that there is an empty tomb over in Israel. That's our confirmation for hope in this age to keep walking and keep following Jesus and keep loving Jesus and loving people and serving people because we know on that day, if we follow him in this day, we will be raised from the dead. Like, that's wonderful news. And the whole world needs to hear that. And this is the rub the disciples are dealing with, right? They're like, no, we know the Messiah was supposed to swallow up death forever. We've read Isaiah 25. We've read Isaiah 26. And we know Jesus was definitely the guy. Nobody did the stuff like he did it. Nobody fulfilled the scriptures like he did. He was supposed to do it. But death swallowed him up. Okay? So they're going, now what? What do we do now? Okay? They had lost their anchor for hope. Maybe God's promises won't come true. That's what they're dealing with. Maybe everything that the Lord promised to Eve about her seed crushing the serpent, maybe that wasn't true. Maybe everything he promised to Noah about the earth never being destroyed. Maybe everything he promised to Abraham about land and and blessing and seed. And maybe everything he promised to David about his descendant and his throne and his city. Maybe everything he said to Isaiah about regathering the people of God to live forever. And everything he said to Ezekiel about new hearts and new spirits and, and walking after the Lord not sinning anymore and everything he said to Daniel about a kingdom that would never be destroyed and everything Jesus told us about reclining with him at the table in the kingdom of heaven forever and sitting on thrones in that kingdom maybe none of that will ever happen maybe it's just all been a lie and we're complete lunatics and we've wasted our entire lives definitely the last two and a half and you feel the same thing Maybe, you know, how can I be sure that one day the curse will be reversed? How can I be sure now on March, April 4th, 2021, how can I be sure that one day death and suffering and sadness and tears and wars and violence and the wicked prospering and the righteous suffering, how can I be sure that will end? How can I be, how can I be sure that one day, like, I'll stop being selfish And I won't treat people harshly, and my knees won't hurt, and my back and my elbow, and I won't be tired and foggy all the time. How can I know that it's worth it to deny myself and carry a cross in this age? That's the question the disciples are asking. That's the question we ask. Anytime any part of the curse invades into our life, how can we be sure there's an empty tomb? 
The promise remains, sure, if God raised Jesus from the dead, that means everything he said is true. And that means everything yet to come is true, and it will happen. That's the anchor. What God did for his son 2,000 years ago, he will do for us one day, and Jesus is the proof. He is the first fruits of the full harvest to come. He is the evidence that God is not a liar. God really will raise the dead. He like he really will restore all things. All things means all things in the Greek. Okay? So you go outside, Oklahoma has wheat fields that are beautiful. You go to Colorado, mountains that are beautiful. You go to the ocean, the ocean that is beautiful. And you think if this is a cursed earth, if this is a fallen earth, what will it be like when he restores it all to its original glory? Guys, like, have you eaten steak in this age? What about when you have resurrected taste buds and resurrected cows? He's going to do it. He's going to restore all things. That trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, and death will be swallowed up forever. This is why Jesus was raised as a first fruit, so that those who follow him will follow him in hope. And you have to have hope, guys. You, you can't walk through this age without an anchor and without a hope, or this age will crush you. The grind of this age will turn you to powder if you do not have hope. Which means this. You haven't suffered from anything. You, and, and people in our congregation have suffered horribly. You haven't suffered anything, you're not presently suffering from anything, and you won't suffer from anything that a good resurrection won't fix. You know what I mean? Like, like, and I don't care how big or how little, like, this is. Like, I've got whatever happening in my throat and whatever right now, and I'm just like, I'm going to live forever. So, fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you guys have had actual suffering and actual death, the curse, actual lost loved ones, guys, and, 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 and disease and famine and war and all the stuff, guys. The promise of the resurrection is one day it will stop. There's, a, there's an appointed end to the curse from Genesis 3. The blessing of Genesis 3 coming to fruition when our bodies are raised. This is how we walk through difficulty in this age, is we remind ourselves of the gospel. We remind ourselves that since God raised Jesus from the dead at his coming, he will also raise us. And this is what the, the Spirit does to us now. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, by the Spirit, I can handle everything this age throws at me. Okay, This is what he's doing Right now, like the, the main job of the Spirit of God is not to make sure we have goosebumps and good music and good meetings. I love goosebumps. I love good music. I love good meetings. That's cherry on top for what he's doing right now. His main job, the main job of the Spirit of God is to keep us living in hope. To keep us walking out our days in light of the day of the Lord in the present time in the midst of suffering and difficulty. Listen to Romans 8. For I consider the sufferings of this present time 
They're not worth to compare with the glory to be revealed. What's the glory to be revealed? The resurrection of the dead and the restoration of all things. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. What's creation waiting for? The resurrection of the dead, the resurrection of the earth. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together, and not only creation, but we ourselves. If, if, if this age is grinding you to powder, you're groaning by the Spirit, not only creation, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. The Spirit, God gives the Spirit to us to keep us living in hope for that day. It's a deposit, a, a resurrection, a, a guarantee, a, a promissory note for that day. God's saying, my word's good. I'm going to do the thing. And what are those given the Spirit doing in this age? We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Actual bodies, literal, physical bodies. That's what we groan for. That's what we long for when the curse is totally removed from us and from the earth and we live forever in the kingdom of our Father. So the ministry of the Spirit is to train us in patience. For the resurrection, the ministry of the Spirit is to come alongside us and teach us to walk wisely in this age so that at the day of the Lord we inherit eternal life. And it's also, just a bonus, it's the Spirit who will raise us on that day. Romans 8, 11, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, literally, physically, bodily, raised Jesus from the dead, if that Spirit dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you for free <laughs> so what do you want I know what you want I know that, that Ecclesiastes says God has hardwired eternity into your heart and that's what you long for and that's what you're going for but I'm still asking you what do you want do you want eternal life in a body without a curse? On an earth without a curse? No, no, no uh, uh, brokenness between humans and no brokenness between God? You know what, like that's a little, it seems like a little thing, but I just think about my own life and people I know who are just always like, that's horrible. That's not how, that's not how it was in the beginning. That will cease. That will go away. Brother won't fight against brother like Cain and Abel. Nation will not war against nation. In fact, we're going to go up to Zion and Jesus is going to teach us to turn our swords into plowshares. Kent, you will be highly employable in the age to come. All right. We're going to rise up out of our graves if we believe in Jesus. So if, if you want an eternal life in, in a world without end or eternal condemnation in a lake of fire, these are the options for all of us who are in Adam who sinned against God. God has promised blessing in the age to come for all who would forsake their sin in the present. And God has promised more of the curse in the age to come for those who won't. Okay? Like, I you know, you can read our statement of faith. Like we don't, we don't do universalism. It's going to work out for everyone in the end. No, if you do not repent of your sins, if you do not turn towards God and follow Him in humility and contriteness 
and, or, you know, stop sitting on the I live in the Bible belt, so I'm sort of a Christian anyway kind of fence. If you don't get off of that thing and follow him wholeheartedly, not because you're awesome, because you're not, you inherit a lake of fire and eternal condemnation in the age to come. Okay? God is good. God is going to restore and renew and remake all things. He, he is building a new house for us to dwell in. Therefore, he's not letting the serpent back in or anyone who would follow the serpent. He wouldn't be good if he did that. So, at the day of the Lord, John 5, the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and all who are in their tombs will come out, those who have done good to resurrection life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Daniel 12, 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust... This is so awesome. <laughs> many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise, which means those who, who <laughs> turn from their sin in this age and followed Jesus, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the sky above and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So you being here, you hearing the word of the Lord today, which is, it's his words, you know what I mean? Like I'm not making this, if you have an issue with it, you can take it up with him. I'm, I'll talk to you about it. The Lord is in his kindness, in his patience, giving us time before the day of the Lord to repent of our sins against God. Okay? Which is all of us, all of sin, all have fallen short of the glory of God. The cross puts us all at the same level, and it's awesome, because we like to do this thing. Jesus says, uh-uh. All y'all's the cause of this. So the Lord's giving us time before his day to repent of our sin against God and trust in Jesus and follow him wherever he leads. Those who do at his return will come out of their tombs and will walk into resurrection life. Those who do not will come out of their tombs and walk into a resurrection of judgment. But today, the word of the Lord has gone out. You've heard it, guys. I, like, I've just got living water here for you who are thirsty, all who are weary, all, uh, all who sin and need a Savior. Like, come, eat, drink, dine at this gospel feast for sinners. Not for normal, awesome, good people, for sinners. This is who this is for. And so if you have questions about this, you know, if, if you've heard this before but haven't believed it, or you've heard it before and just haven't thought seriously about it, I'm going to be around today. Talk to me. But what you can also do, if you're sitting next to a member of our church, you can ask them about this gospel thing. You can ask them about this repentance thing, this trusting and following Jesus thing. And all the members of my church can tell you. And they'll be happy to do it. And you probably get a meal out of the deal. <laughs> I, mean, I figured churches would be bigger just because of how much free food we do. But Okay? Don't, don't, don't get around with Jesus. He's going to make all things new. He's going to raise up our bodies either to everlasting life or everlasting torment and judgment. And I want to be in the age to come with everyone in here. So, what are we to do in light of these things? First, we are all to repent, okay? Which is a lifestyle, okay? I don't care what you did at VBS. I really don't. I care what you're doing right now. In your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, living in repentance towards God. Second thing we are to do is live in hope. 
Because this age can beat the heck out of you. It can just grind you to powder. But come what may, you're going to live forever. <laughs> and third, verse 8 that we read at the beginning. They remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. So if this is true, you have to share it. Freely you've received, now, now freely give this thing away. That those who repent and trust in Jesus will live forever. Amen? Amen. Okay. Well, the last 40 minutes is better than the first 40 minutes of the day. I will tell you that. <laughs> okay. Amanda, would you come help us, please? Um, we're going to take the Lord's Supper now. Um, so the Lord's Supper is for um, believers. So if you are not uh, a believer in Jesus, we ask that the plate just pass you by. Don't take it. I'll talk to you after about why um, we do that. But if you are a believer in Jesus, if you're following him, repenting of your sins, trusting in him, uh, we encourage you. Take with us. Um, the deacons will pass it out, and, and we'll all take it um, together. Then we'll sing. Then everyone go out there and let's make a huge hairy deal uh, about what's going on out there. Okay?